The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. Now I'm joined by dietitian and founder of Eat Well, Sarah Kyo. And every time Sarah is here, the text machine ends up overwhelmed and we are midway through that process already. So we'll get to as many as we possibly can. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. All right, we will kick off with uh, one that uh, in relation to, it says, can you ask if there is a suitable diet for a diverticular colitis problem? Yes. Um, so to back up slightly, diverticulitis or diverticular disease is where basically little pockets form in the wall of the large bowel. And we're not 100% sure why. We think it's a lifetime of constipation and straining that just causes it. Um, so please eat your fibre. Um, but once those little pockets are there, things can get stuck in them. Um, so little hard poos can get stuck in there and sometimes seeds can get stuck in there and that can cause an infection that's not unlike an appendicitis. Now it can be milder or severe and sometimes people will need an antibiotic or in rare cases they might need surgery. If you have colitis as well, that's an added nuisance in there because usually with diverticular disease, we would recommend quite a high fibre diet. If someone has colitis, when it is active... So colitis is inflammation in the gut. When it's active, generally, we would look at a slightly lower fibre diet with that. When it's in remission, though, both the diverticular disease and the colitis benefit from a high fibre diet. Now, I could spend two hours just on that. So can I just say to you, would you ever look up a registered dietitian? Um, and I can, <laughs> they, I would definitely sit down with somebody and have a good detailed chat with someone over it. But usually high fibre would be what you'd look for. Is fibre one of those things like vitamins where if you have a balanced diet, you don't need to get it separately? Oh, well, to be honest, with fibre, yes, pretty much. But with, with fibre supplements, um, most of them have about three grams of fibre in them. You need at least 25 grams of fibre a day. So people do say to me, oh, well, I take, you know, and, and I do use fibre supplements occasionally with patients, but you it would have to be alongside with what you're eating. So fibre is kind of a bulk thing. You've got to eat a good bit of it. And in Ireland, 80% of us don't eat enough fibre. Um, you'll figure out why. If I say 25 grams of fibre is what we need as a minimum, there's three grams of fibre in a bowl of porridge. There's wow. two grams of fibre in an apple. Um, beans are brilliant. Baked beans, a whole tin of them will give you 14 grams of fibre. But I know everyone's going to come on and go sugar in baked beans, which we'll cover another I'm day. I'm not sure that's what people um, are going to say about <laughs> baked beans, but fine, we'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, so it's it's really where most of us are missing fibre and it is something that we could really the, look at. Other than beans, what are the best sources? So it's it's mixed. So beans and lentils are fantastic. So they're really good. Chickpeas, kidney beans, lentils are brilliant. Whole grain bread, whole grain cereals. Um, but, but the guidance I'd always give to people is a third of your meals need to be fruit, veg or salad. You also need to have a high fibre carb. So whether that's brown bread, whole grain cereal, jacket potato. And seeds are brilliant. So, you know, all the chia seeds and the sunflower seeds and fantastic. Get a dessert spoon of, or two of those in during the day. Don't do it all in one go. Give yourself three weeks. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm sorry. Okay I, I'm fixated on the porridge. I want to go back to a thing. We have a text that asks, should I avoid all ultra processed food? And are there some that are worse than others? Before oh. we get to the ultra, I want okay. to ask you a question about porridge. Because everybody goes, look at porridge. It's, it's, it's wonderful, etc. But porridge is by definition a processed food. They take porridge. No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah, it goes through a big yes, process. Yes, they okay. steam it. They squish it. They dry it. That's, it's quite processed. By, yep. So why is it okay? Well, you see, this is the whole thing on processing where ultra processed has become this big, dangerous word or people talk about processed foods. And I think the problem is if we say processed foods, people immediately think of, you know, what we and I hate the word junk food, but it's kind of there. It's that heavily processed, high fat, high sugar, very palatable, energy dense, not really great for your health. Every food you eat goes through a process. Unless you literally pick up a carrot and eat it without even washing it or peeling it, that's your unprocessed food. So everything we eat has some form of processing. When it comes to health or not, what we look at are two things, is how much processing has it gone through? How much nutrition has it lost? 
And is there a benefit to it? So the ultra processed thing has been this fantastic headline that's been scaring the wits out of people. And they're big into it in the UK in particular, where they really like to frighten each other with it. And it came out of a definition from that was looked from the Department of Health in Brazil a few years ago. And they're really just trying, it's partly, it's really about trying to measure the more processed food in someone's diet. Is it linked up to different things to health? So basically at the end of it, what's in the ultra processed category is chocolate, sweets, biscuits, cakes, guess what? Foods we already knew we shouldn't be eating a whole lot of. The only thing is that the definition then also includes a lot of bread that you would buy and breakfast cereals. And people are like, oh, that means we have to avoid them too. But actually, if you break down the studies, we see huge benefits to be eating bread and breakfast cereals, even what would be considered ultra, ultra processed ones, as long as they are the high fibre ones. If you go out and you have your sugar coated, chocolate coated, all of those, that's dessert. And will you ever just stop kidding yourselves? Um, but your whole grain cereals, they're absolutely fine. So basically, it's a new term used to scare people, which tells us nothing really a whole lot new about our foods other than will you not eat massive amounts of junk foods and get a bit of fruit and veg in. So as a case in point, then, if I am eating a whole wheat pasta, that has gone through quite a bit of process to turn it from being wheat into a pasta, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. And it's just when we look at long term and we do fantastic population studies where we take hundreds of thousands of people, not me personally now, but lots of really good scientists, and they track them for 30 and 40 years. And we look at what are they eating and we look at cancer and heart disease and all the rest. And we can see the tracking. And then with, with nutrition science, it then goes into the lab and you look at what's the mechanism at a cellular level. And then you might do metabolic studies where you take unfortunate students and you lock them up for three months and you feed them and you see what gases they give off and the whole lot. So it tracks the whole way through. So we know that people eating whole grains, for example, live longer, get less heart disease, get less diabetes, they get less cancer. And it doesn't matter whether it's ultra processed or not. So your porridge is fine. I saw a thing in in the papers today saying that there is also a lower incidence of Alzheimer's, that there's recent clinical studies that suggest that there's an impact on Alzheimer's. But we see a huge impact in Alzheimer's and dementia with nutrition. Now, there's a lot going on with that and there's genetics is a big part of it. Alcohol, sleep, there's, there's lots and lots of things. But we've that's not new. We've known for a long time that diet has a huge impact on um, Alzheimer's and dementia. I mean, you look at omega-3 fats, particularly the ones from fish, like the human brain is about 60% fat. Most of that fat is an omega-3 called DHA, which you get in fish. Um, and we know that people who eat fish or take fish oils have a reduced risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. Now, it's not going to cancel it out. If someone has dementia, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of um, benefit there. But even some of the early changes that we see um, that we know lead to dementia. If you're adding in um, these fish oils and B vitamins, it seems to be reversing some of these early changes. On the topic of fats, we have a question asking what's the best supplement to take with the absorption of fats? Can I ask you a broader question about that as well? Because fats, I think, is a bit like the ultra processed one. Like um, tracker mortgages, I don't know what it is. There's a whole (laughs) lot of fats where there's trans fats, there's saturated Mm. fats, there's polyunsaturated fats, and we're all told about them. And I think the vast majority of people, myself included, having a breeze. Oh, there's far more fats than that. We call it fat, but there's hundreds of components to it. And some of them are what we will call essential fatty acids, which are basically vitamins um, without being called a vitamin. So they would be things like your omega-3 fats like EPA. DHA would be very essential. Um, ALA would be another one that you get in some plant foods. There's lots of different kinds of fat. So yeah, people hear fat, it means a hundred different things. So at the most fundamental, we'll break it down into saturated and unsaturated fats. So saturated fats are the ones that we know in most people will increase cholesterol. 
So when you eat them, they go to your liver. Your liver makes cholesterol out of them. Not everybody does this, but the vast majority of people do. Because there's a big genetic component. Big in genetic component with that. You know that my granny lived to be 95 and had a fry every day. Well, yeah, well, all her friends were dead, you know. <laughs> well, so it's smoking you know. major. <laughs> oh, listen, and, you know, if you get the genes, fantastic. Um, so the saturated fat is one we limit. Again, not banned, but saturated fat is in your ultra-processed foods, so your sausages, your black and white pudding, your b- biscuits, cakes, pastries, all the rest. The big one is coconut milk. Oh, you just watch coconut milk at the moment. It is so high in saturated fat. I just see so many people with their cholesterol going through the roof. I had and this. Th- I literally <laughs> bought my first ever <laughs> coconut milk on Thursday. You're going to love it. I did a post on Instagram at Sarah Kill or D there a while ago, and you want to see the response people got going, oh my God, coconut. Now it's grand. If you have it now and again, like anything, it's absolutely fine. But if you're having it twice a week, will you just dial that back a little bit? Um, So saturated fat for cholesterol is an issue. Unsaturated fats then would be things like olive oil, rapeseed oil, sunflower oil. Now, although they are healthier from a heart point of view, we still don't want a lot of them. So just little bits of those in cooking. Trans fats then are a whole other day's chemical lecture, but basically they're like particularly unpleasant versions. They're not quite saturated fat, but they really do nasty things to cholesterol and things like that. So we really want to limit them. Now, that's been coming down in Ireland. Credit to the Food Safety Authority of Ireland who have tremendous programmes. They're tracking trans fats and all the rest and coming out. So limit those. But again, their biscuits would be a big thing and cakes would be places. So my order of priority of avoid is trans number one, saturated, saturated number two, two and unsaturated well, limit, little. Limit. We need, but we need some fat. We need some fats. Uh, very briefly, to the core question, are there any um, supplements for the absorption of those good fats? Um, not to make you absorb them more. If you're malabsorbing fat, you have some sort of gut issue. Go and see your doctor. As I predicted, there are far more texts than we could get to. I'll have to get you to destroy another Saturday soon and come back in and answer them. You'll be glad to know that you have been peer-reviewed during this discussion because you got a text from somebody saying they are a registered dietitian in Cork that says, Sarah Kyo is amazing. Oh, wow. Thank you very much, <laughs> Sarah. You. Lovely to see you as always. The Anton Savage Show Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.